Amen. Well, let's, let's go to the Lord and pray together this morning. Father, we, we come and we come before you, Lord, the God of grace, the one who shows us a grace that we surely do not deserve, and we rejoice in it this morning. We rejoice in the wondrous cross. We rejoice in your Son, in the sending of your Son, the demonstration of your love, which is great. And may our hearts and souls well up with adoration and worship and awe at all you do and all of who you are. You are worthy of every hour, of every day, of every moment you give us. And may we not be mistaken, every hour, of every moment, of every day, you are the one who is giving it to us. And so we thank you. We thank you for the righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ. Not a righteousness that is our own, it's His. And we realize in that we are not yet perfect, we are not glorified in, in glory. And so may you sanctify us this morning. May you conform us into the image of your Son this morning. May you help us to examine ourselves, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, as I know that's exactly what we need to be doing, and, and we need your help as uh, you call us to consider ourselves and even ways perhaps we, we uh, don't feel comfortable doing ways that perhaps we would rather uh, not do, um, but may we do it. And so, may we do it, and as we do it, may we wonder at your grace. And so, give me grace now as I seek to faithfully proclaim your word. May you be with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, and we will be continuing this morning where we left off and picking up here in John chapter 8, and we'll be in verses 31 through 47. So at this point in the chapter, so Jesus, he has answered the Pharisees, and he has answered the Jews, and he has defended his statement that he is indeed the light of the world. So we saw that back in chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus said exactly that. And so he defended that, and then Jesus' defense, it ends there in verse 30, with people responding to his words. And so it says there, verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Now, a number of years ago, I went along with a number of other people, you know, with my church back in Oklahoma, and we went to a youth camp of course, with the youth group at our church there in Oklahoma. And, and so they had a preacher who would come and would come to preach the word every week. And so different groups are, would come in every week with a new preacher to come, and they would come and preach the word. And they would do that every, every night. Well, at the end of each night, after or as the, the pastor or the preacher is ending his sermon, they had a time of response and during that time of response, you know, many people, they would go forward in response to the message. And I had the opportunity, I was one of those who would 
go and actually counsel those as part of you know the uh, this camp, and so I would go and talk with these who came forward and talk to them about why they came forward and so on. And so we would we would do a number of things as we sat there and counseled with these people. So we'd ask them a number of questions. You know, we would uh, talk with them and walk through various passages of scripture with them, and we would help them if uh, they were ready to pray a prayer to look to Christ. Now, after a number of years of doing that, you know, I, I saw some things there that I had said, you know, I think there's more needed here. You know, especially with, you know, people praying this prayer. And I saw time and time again, they would pray a prayer and it was as though they didn't pray a prayer at all. You know, it was as though nothing whatsoever, happen, no, not, nothing whatsoever just happened in their lives or hearts. Uh, there was no change. And so I had seen people pray that prayer and do anything but follow Jesus. And so I changed and focused on calling them to seek and cry out to God as their Savior. Just like someone who is on a ledge doesn't have to be taught to cry out for help, so it is the one who needs Jesus Christ will cry out to Him for savior, as Savior. But that was troubling, though. As I went to this camp, and I'm sure maybe you've had that experience as well, as someone who has done that and said, you know, prayed those words, yet they don't know the Lord. And so here in our passage this morning, we quickly find out that Jesus, he is not content with people who have walked an aisle, people who have prayed a prayer or put on a good show. He's about making true disciples of himself who truly know and follow him. And so we'll see that this morning. And so to see this, let's begin here then in chapter 8 with verse 30, and I'll read from there. And so may God bless the reading of his word this morning, and may he expose us, may he test us, and may he in there and therein assure us as well. So let's read the word this morning. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. And this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. 
They said to him, We were not born of sexual morality. We have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not my own, on my, of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now as we walked through verses 21 through 30 last week, if you were here and you were taking in those verses at seeing verse 30, you might have thought, well, all right, you know, finally, you know, some people are believing in Jesus, praise the Lord. Well, yet, now here we are with these verses where Jesus, he specifically addresses those same people. So you'd be right then to wonder about what verse 30 is saying. Did they really believe in him or did they not? So some really wrestle with this and they wonder you know, about this verse. Uh, so they say things like, well, what follows kind of changes direction from uh, with verse 31. That's one way they kind of say it or, or maybe believe means something else than believe. Well, here's their problem. How could the Jews believe and then be spoken of the way that Jesus speaks about them here? Wow. Well, as we consider this potential you know, problem we may have here and trying to figure this out, it's actually not as big of a problem as we may think. In fact, if you have been tracking with John, this falls right within what he has been emphasizing and really saying all along. There are those who believe and really believe, and then there are those who believe and don't really believe. And we've seen this again and again throughout the Gospel of John in a variety of ways from a variety of different angles. And we saw it very specifically back in chapter 2, verse 23 and 25, if you remember then. So it said, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. And so they, they had seen the signs and they, they saw what he was doing and they believed. But... Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And so, they had seen the signs, they had believed, 
and they didn't believe. They did not know Jesus. Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew them. He knew he knew what they were really after, even as we see kind of as you continue through the Gospel of John, and everyone kind of goes, and then you have the twelve there left. And you find out, well, they really didn't believe at all. And so Jesus, as he knew then, he knows here as well, and he knows better. And so as we come to these verses then, we have two sets of people here in our passage. And so the two people are these two. So the two, the first is slaves. You could maybe put false disciples as well versus true disciples. So slaves versus true disciples. And so we'll look at each of these in turn, looking at kind of key markers or identifiers of both that we see from this passage. And now, as we go through each of these, let me encourage you here. So there are five marks for the first group, slaves, and six for the second, true disciples. So as we kind of walk through these, as you engage with these, I want to encourage you to consider yourself and and kind of take on and look at these marks and ask of yourself, what is true of you? Not, not just think of your neighbor over here like, yeah, I don't know about that person, you know, but think about you specifically. And so let these, so hope that these marks then will strengthen, will assure, and will hopefully embolden your faith. So that's hopefully one direction it will go. Or if you find out today that you are on the side of slave, I hope they will clarify what sort of belief that you have and you will trust in Christ this morning. No longer be deceived. And so let's look first here then at the key marks of a slave. Key marks of a slave. So we may squirm a bit with this one. But we need to deal with this. We need to be careful that our understanding of faith and belief comes from the Bible. Anything else needs to be challenged. And it's a, it, it matters hugely if you get this wrong. A view of conversion that minimizes these marks is minimizing biblical teaching. It is minimizing what Jesus is maximizing here. He's not simply content, oh, well, you believed? Well, great. I'll, well, let's get you and make you a member of the church, you know, and let's take you in. And, well, that's fantastic. You know, he doesn't do that. He's not saying, I want to have a lot of people behind me that don't really know me. So he will not let these believing but not believing Jews off the hook. And so he's pushing back against their claim and saying, you may happily be going about saying you believe, I still don't know you. And this means that our understanding of faith, belief, and our belief in Christ, it matters enough that Jesus would mercifully not let you continue on in your unbelieving belief. And that is a mercy. Jesus, he knows you 
already. He knows whether you know him already. It's not even a question mark in his his mind. He knows whether you're his child or not. And so he wants us to consider ourselves. So Jesus is in effect saying here, you may, you may have your card, you, have may, you may have prayed that prayer at youth camp or wherever you may have prayed it, you may have had even some experience, but I don't want to talk about all that. I want to talk about whether you really, truly know me. And that's what Jesus is doing here with these Jews. So let's look at each of these marks then. So the first key mark of a slave is they trust in their flesh. They trust in their flesh. So verse 33. So we'll come and see verses 31 through 32. But to Jesus' words in verses 31 through 32, they claim to be offspring of Abraham. They've, they've never been enslaved to anybody, which they're not talking about like physical slavery, which would be just entirely ridiculous if they were saying that, because yeah, you have, <laughs> you know, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, you know, Persia, Med-Persian Empire, you're even enslaved in part right now under Rome, so it's not meaning like physical slavery here, so they're not talking about that, so instead they're saying they're not like spiritual slaves because they're looking at Abraham they're saying Abraham is their father and they are living because he is their father they're under God's favor because of that so in in their estimation they are God's children they are connected to the Abrahamic covenant of Genesis chapter 15 all the nations you know the offspring and they they are Abraham's offspring and so His God is their God. That's how they view all this. And this is what they're saying. But the problem with that is it's not true. At least not spiritually true. Jesus only says, not only says that they are wrong here, but that they have a different father and it is not Abraham and it is not God. So if you're, if you're thinking, well, maybe they really do believe it, they really know Jesus here, I don't know where you're getting that here. <laughs> I mean, how much more clear can you get? I mean, if your father is not Abraham and it's not God the Father, you do not know God. And so they are so blinded by being fleshly descendants of Abraham, they can't see that they aren't truly descendants of Abraham. And so they are... Not his children. They don't know him. And this may sound strange, but really it's, it's not that odd in our Bibles. We find it in various ways throughout the Old Testament. You know, and Paul even talks about this kind of Jewishless Jewishness. So being a Jew but not being a Jew. In Romans chapter 2. Verse 28 through 29. So let me, let me read that for you. He says there, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. So it's not, that's not the main thing. Nor is circumcision outward and physical, but 
A Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. And so, you may have your physical descent, but that doesn't mean you know God. And really, that's not a surprise in the Gospel of John either, because he began the Gospel of John this way too. If you remember back... In chapter 1, he's already kind of pointing forward to what he's going to say ahead. So John chapter 1, verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he's already getting you ready for this point right here, way back then. So on that point that he made there, he'll bring it out again and again in the gospel, which is what he's doing right now as well. Jesus is doing right now as well. And so if your hope is in something about you, something about your family, something about your church record, you know, maybe you filled out a card sometime. You know, you have that card with you and you treasure that card and that's it right there. This is my ticket. Well, none of those things is Jesus. And if that is your hope, you are still a slave. So that's Mark 1. The second mark of a slave is they practice sin. They practice sin. So verses 34 through 35. So Jesus, he answers them here in verses 34 through 35. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And so the slave is not part of the household. So, and they weren't. They could even be there for the rest of their lives, at least in the Roman home there. They, they were part of the household, but they were never part of of the household that could be sold off at any moment, any time. And so they aren't, they aren't related to the owner of the house, and so they are not free. And Jesus is saying that this is them. That's you, Jews. And this is them, except they aren't literal, like physical slaves. They are slaves to sin. So every person born into this world, they get born into it with a sin nature. And that sin nature is ultimately kind of how they do everything. It's how their mind thinks. They think in light of sin and not God. You know, they think in light of this decision. Ultimately, it's flowing out that sin nature and everything they are doing and thinking and believing and so on. And so they answer to that, and Jesus will tell them who their true father is here in a moment. But with the sin nature in their veins, uh, this like slavery within their veins, this rebellion in their veins, God is not their father. And they have not been born again. So there are those who are in church, but they are not part of the church. I was one of those people. You would find me sometimes on Easter and Christmas and and so on. I came every so often. 
had that cross around my neck, you know, look at this guy, you know, I would, if you asked me, man, I'd tell you, you know, I know the Lord, I believe, you know, I had no idea what that meant. And I definitely did not believe. And so these people may, you know, be here. They're surely in many of the churches across America. They see no problem with no desire, no longing, no heart for Jesus. They see no problem with no interest in the Bible, no interest in prayer. No, outside of like foxhole kind of prayers, if you know what I mean. You know, like they're in trouble. Oh, Lord, help me. You know, God, help me out of this thing. And so that kind of thing. And they find no interest in those and prayer in general. And they find no interest in God's people, the church. And yet, what do they do? They go about proclaiming, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, I know him. Yeah, I'm fine with him. And I guarantee you, if you challenge them in that, they would be utterly offended that you would say anything to the contrary. And all that, while they are still dead in their sin. That's a second mark. A third mark of a slave is they refuse Jesus. They refuse Jesus. So verse 37, 40, and 42 through 43. So Jesus, he agrees... Yes, they are offspring of Abraham physically, but they're doing what Abraham would not do. They are, they are trying to kill Jesus. Abraham, he listened to the truth, but they're not. And so the word of Jesus has no place in them. And that right there leads us, kind of moving more quickly, leads us into the fourth mark They don't understand nor believe in Jesus. They don't understand nor believe in Jesus. So verse 43 and verses 45 through 47. And so there Jesus says in verse 43 and 45, Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Verse 45, But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. So they, they, don't, they don't get him. And they don't, don't know him. And they don't believe. And so it is that we come to this fifth and this last mark here. A mark really that Jesus has been kind of insinuating this whole time and, and building up to. And now he makes it abundantly clear their father is the devil. Their father is the devil. So verse 41 and 44 through 45. And so this is the father that they are trying to please. It isn't Abraham. It isn't God. The one that they are listening to and who they are trying to please is the devil. I find it deeply troubling that this is true of them even while they say What in verse 41? We have one Father, even God. So they they boast that God is their Father, yet He isn't. I mean, if that doesn't scare you, like you're like, I'm fine. I'm you can even boast that you know Jesus and not know Jesus. They're boasting that they know God the Father. 
and they do not know God the Father. And you might be doing that. That might be you. That's why I said we begin this time. You need to, need to consider yourself. It's not going to be easy walking through this. But you need to do it. And I'll tell you more reasons why to do it here in a minute. But you might be doing that. You might be going around and saying, oh yeah, yeah, I know God, yet you don't. And you're that person who, who tells others, oh yeah, you know, I know Jesus, you know, I, I prayed a prayer, I did this and that, you know, I go to this church, yet you haven't been in like, what, 15, 20 years, you know. And so that, this, this should trouble us. This should, you know, certainly trouble you if it's you. If you are here, and this is more indicative of you than not. So it should, it should trouble you. You should run to Christ, but if you don't know the Lord this morning, but it should also concern you if you do know Christ this morning. These are those that are enslaved to the devil and his lies. This murderer and this liar. And how is he a murderer? Well, through his lies, he only put to death the entire human race. Death to this very day came about due to what? To his deceptions and lies beginning right there in the Garden of Eden. And so the reason you die, your family members die, well, he wanted that. He wanted them to die. The one million plus deaths from COVID, he wanted that. And he wants people to die in their sins. He wants your child. He wants your son. He wants your daughter. He wants your granddaughter. He wants your grandson. He wants your spouse. He wants your fellow classmate. He wants your neighbors. And he wants you to die in your sins. So don't believe that liar. And if you don't know Christ this morning, it means turn to Christ this morning. And if you do know Christ this morning, this is where the concern should come for us as well and with great urgency. And not letting people to continue going along that road and following this murderer and this liar and telling them the truth of the gospel. And telling them about Christ. So this should concern us as well as the many millions are dying in their sins around us and following this murderer and liar. What urgency we should have. So, consider yourself. Consider these marks in your own life, in your own self. Now, in contrast to these marks, these marks of a slave... Let's turn next then to look at the key marks of disciples or true disciples. So verse 31 sets the stage for this whole thing on all these marks, this whole discussion. So Jesus, he says there, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So he's setting 
the trajectory of the conversation. Who's true, who's not. And so, an emphasis being on true. And so we have just seen how awful it is the reality of the slave. And now here, hopefully, we're coming up for a bit of air. If perhaps this depresses you, you know, and even if that is the case, may, may you consider yourself in that. But let's come up for some air and see these marks here of those who belong to Christ and those who know Christ truly. It's so the first key mark here is that they abide. They abide. Verse 31. So that is that they, they stay. They remain. They persevere. They don't go away. They keep following Jesus. And so these are those that are the apostles minus Judas. Judas didn't remain. And so while everyone else is going away, these are the ones that are saying with Peter in John 6.68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And they have nowhere else to go and nowhere else they would go because Christ is their life and treasure. Now, hear me here. I am not saying that you won't come out at the end of all this so you finally go to be with Him in glory, but you, through life and through all these things, walking out the the Christian life, you don't come away out in the end without bruised knees, without wounds, without these perhaps immense battle scars in the end. But through all of that, and all the fires, all the battles, through the wrestling with sin and self, through the, your faith perhaps even being rocked to the core, your heart being torn, you endure, you remain to the end by the grace of God. And that's why you will make it. <laughs> through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Praise the Lord. So it's not in you you're trusting, right? It's all Him the whole way. So these are those who abide in His Word, which leads us then to this second mark here. They are free. They are free. Verse 32 You know the truth, and the truth has set you free. So this is not about like appearing spiritual. This isn't about pretending to be free, or you're still kind of wearing those prison garbs, you know? You still really look like a slave, and you you really have the clothes on of a slave. This isn't that. These belong to Jesus. They have been given new clothing, (laughs) They have new robes and they aren't, they aren't taking with them the burden and the weight and the weights and chains of a slave because they're not a slave. And if you know Christ, that means you are not a slave to sin and self. Jesus is their master. And if you know Jesus, Jesus is your master. 
And so what, what truth is it that they will know? They will know the truth. The truth will set them free. Well, this, Jesus saves. This is exactly what they don't get. The slaves aren't getting it. They don't understand. Like, they, can't, they can't hear what he's saying. Like, what are you talking about? You know, Jesus saves. The slaves don't know this. And we've seen that. Disciples know this. And they have experienced this. And they haven't just experienced it way back 20 years ago, 15 years ago, however many years ago it was. But they, what? We still experience it today. It's a present reality. I am free right now because of Jesus. And so why is that? Well, because Jesus came with a key to our chains. And he unlocked our bonds. And he pulled us out of the swamp of our slavery to sin. And that in him, that in him we are free indeed and free forever. So faith, it is no foolish thing to them, to those who know Christ. It is their companion. So sin comes. You're overwhelmed by it. What do you do? Where do you go? Where else can I go, Lord? Faith in Christ. Your sin overwhelms. Faith in Christ. Condemnation comes. Where do you go? Faith in Christ. Enemies come against you. Where are you going to go? The believer goes to Christ. The devil, he comes and he accuses you as he does. And you say, but I know Jesus Christ. You're right, devil. I am a sinner. I am a liar. I am a mess. I did do that. You're right. I didn't say it the way I should have or whatever it is. But it's only Christ in whom I hope. He paid for all that. And then death comes. And what do you do? Where is your hope? It's in Christ. And so our faith is not some old, moldy kind of thing that you threw out years ago. It is alive, it is present, and it is real right now. You are free in Him. A third mark of true disciples is they realize they were slaves. They realized they were slaves. So verse 34 and 36 through 36. So unlike those enslaved to sin, they know that they once were blind, but now they see. As the man of the song, and can it be, and how he, he says it there, it says, Long I in prison confined lay, fast bound in sin in nature's Sway, my chains fell off. Thou set me free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, clothed in his righteousness, divine, amazing love, my sin erased. Bold, I approach the throne of grace. And so, if the Son sets you free, 
you are free indeed. A fourth mark, they obey God. Verse 39, so Abraham, he did what God wanted him to do. He obeyed God. And so do those who know Jesus Christ. Well, why do they do that? What isn't, it isn't merely something that disciples, they do because they're trying to like get Jesus. They're not, they're not doing it in dread. They do it because of this fifth mark, and we're moving kind of right along here. They love Jesus. They're doing it because they love Jesus. Verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me. So this, this isn't loving the Jesus that you have made for yourself, but it is loving this Jesus. They love and follow him, and they don't do that with an aroma of a slave, but with the aroma of Christ. If you know what I mean. And so, Jesus, he did not free you. He did not make you his, so you could exchange one set of chains for another. He really means you are free. (laughs) And that freedom you have, it's a freedom to gladly live as you were made to live. To live for God in His glory in all things. This isn't isn't a call to the chains of legalism. This isn't forcing Jesus into everything and upon everyone. It isn't a dry, dead, bland sort of Christianity. It is alive. It's glad. It's joy-filled. It's rugged. It's sorrowful, yet rejoicing. It's real is what it is. They love Jesus, and they aren't trying to earn the love of Jesus because they have the love of Jesus. They don't see God as the cosmic killjoy over all of life. Christianity is just a big don't. Is that how you see Christianity? Just don't. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. That's what what it means to be a Christian. Is that it? That, friends, is is the chains that I'm talking about here. He has set you free. And He has made you to glorify Him and make much of Him, enjoying His world and every good gift from above, from the Father, for His glory. So we are free and we love Him and we obey Him and we follow Him. And then the last mark here. They really hear God's word. Verse 47. So whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And so this means you're either, as we're walking through all this, you're either taking in these verses and you're saying yes or you're saying no. You're either this one, like a true disciple, of Christ, or you are the other, a slave. So as we've walked through each of these, let me ask you again, have you examined yourself? If not, let me just urge you on to do that. And I get it. I know it can be kind of rattling for us. 
our assurance when it's perhaps shaken a bit and how that can rock us. But let me urge you on to this because Scripture urges us on to do this. Paul, he says in 2 Corinthians 13.5, he tells us to do this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So we are called from Scripture to test ourselves. And you may be saying to all of us, but Pastor, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that if I do that, that I'm going to be found wanting. Like, I'll find out I really don't know Jesus. Well, friend... I want to encourage you with this that that is no danger to find that out. That's not a danger you need to be afraid of. That's something you need to know. You need to know whether you don't know Jesus or not. Because if you don't, and you think you do, and you die, where are you going? He'll say to you, I never knew you, depart from me. That's not what you want. The danger is in not considering yourself and never seeing that and never seeing or realizing that you don't know Jesus. So it's no danger to test yourself because if you are found wanting, you know then what you need to do. You need to flee to Christ. You need to run to Him. And you need to go back and praise God for the test. Thank you for 2 Corinthians 13.5. Test yourselves and examine yourself and make sure you're in the faith. Because I didn't do that, but then I did and I found out I wasn't. And I realize that's not easy. You know, I spent years wrestling with this myself. You know, I would read God's word. You know, I'd look at my life and I would see there my sins and my failures again and again. I would see how unholy I am and how far I am in so many ways. And you know what I found? I found in the midst of that, Christ was there. Christ was there. And I would pray, there is my sin, yes, but oh, is there is my Savior who has paid for it all. I found that He wasn't just a past hope, but He is my present hope as well. And let me just say how sweet it is to know that you know, to have the blessed assurance that you are truly in Christ. So as we are taking all this in and examining ourselves, yes, beware of false assurances, but oh, cling to that one assurance that is sure, Jesus Christ. Cling to Him and let us live as those who have been set free, no longer slaves, but true disciples of him whose priceless blood has ransomed me. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did they, that grace appear the hour I first believed. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning and pray, Lord, for your help. As I know 
that the testing of ourselves can be rather rattling and shaking to us. And that's not the goal this morning to, to shake tr- that people who truly know Christ, to shake their assurance in Christ. That's not the goal. The goal is to, to, to test ourselves and examine ourselves and even follow what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 8. And he's saying, these are those who are truly my disciples and we need to simply ask, is this us? Or do we fail to meet the test? And if that is true, I pray that, Father, anyone here or anyone listening who doesn't know you, may they turn to Christ this morning and lay aside all false assurances and find the one who really can make them free, Jesus. May they believe in him and turn to him who can save them. And we pray for us, Lord, those who know you, that this would only work as it does, as it did for me and as it has done for believers throughout the ages. It bolsters our faith. Our assurance soars. And so then does our love for our Lord, our obedience to our Lord by grace. Through faith in Him, we live and breathe and do all we do. And so may that be this morning for us and may you help us to respond to your word this morning. May you work in our hearts. May you be with those who perhaps need to uh, repent of something. They do know you. May they run back to you. May you be with uh, us, Lord. And if there's anyone here who um, needs to be baptized or whatever they need to do, we just pray that you would help them here as well. So we we look to you and we pray for your grace as we sing. May our hearts be yours and may you examine us, we pray. And may we come humbly before you in Jesus' name. Amen.